just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. No, just one word. You hear what's broken inside. Just one word, and you revive every dream. One touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do, no. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do, no.
this morning. Focus on. 
Good morning. As you can see from the slide, I'm Larry Dubin. And uh, let me get my stopwatch going so I know when to stop. All right. Wow. It is a blessing and a privilege for Deb and I to be here. Deb has been telling me about living water for a number of years. And now I get to experience it. And it's like, wow, very cool. Very cool. Here in a few moments, I'm going to talk to you about a story from the book of Exodus. And uh, I think it's a very timely uh, message. But before I do that, I want to share my story with you. Uh, everybody has a story. And uh, hopefully you won't fall asleep as I share mine. But uh, let me share a few thoughts with you about where I came from. In Romans 11.11, in Romans 11.11, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I asked then, they did not stumble into an irrevocable fall, did they? Absolutely not. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them, the Jewish people, jealous. I was born and reared in a Jewish family. And at the age of 13, all Jewish boys, they go through a confirmation process called a bar mitzvah. Well, I'm getting ready to go through my bar mitzvah. But something happened. Ever since I was a little kid, my mom, she would always tell me, she would say, you know, we Jews are God's chosen people. You know, when you're a little kid and mom tells you something, you absolutely believe her. On the other side, my dad said, uh, remember these prayers recite them in public, and you will be okay before God and the Jewish community. I said, fine, great. So I'm learning my prayers. Uh, I know I'm very proud to be Jewish. And then I discovered the Holocaust. When I discovered the Holocaust, I said to myself, and there was this crazy thought that went through my brain. I said, if God would allow six million of his chosen people to be destroyed. Why do I want anything to do with this God? I was 12 years old. At that point, I walked away. I wanted nothing to do with God, and I wanted nothing to do with religion. When I was 17, I enlisted in the Navy. And after a couple of years, I found myself on a nuclear-powered submarine. And two of the strangest human beings came into my life. The first one you know, you would think that this guy was a Baptist. He didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't dance. You know, I was like, okay. But he was really weird. He was a naval officer. He didn't cuss. He didn't scream. He didn't uh, do things that naval officers did when we pulled into port, like paint the town red. You understand? Okay. This guy was totally different. Let me see if I could describe his behavior. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You understand the fruit of the Spirit. For nine months, I'm watching this man, trying to figure out why he was so different. And then, about three months before I came to faith, my next-door neighbor, his name was Rich. You might know him. That's all I know about him, other than he was married to Jenny. Right. Every day when I came home from work, Rich was there. It could be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It could be 2 o'clock in the morning. I would pull into my parking spot, and Rich was there. And he'd say, hi, Larry. 
Do you want to go to church? Do you want to read the Bible? Do you want to talk about Jesus? Do you want to have a cup of coffee? It's like rich. Die. Drop dead. Go be with Jesus. Go now, okay? I wanted nothing to do with this guy, all right? I could curse at him. I could spit at him. I could shove him out of the way. Do whatever I wanted to do. For six weeks, he's there. After six weeks, he has a, an idea. He said, hey, will you read this book with me? And I said, no. I said, man, I'm Jewish. Why would I read that in the Bible with you? But I took his Bible. I didn't own one. I took his Bible. I went home. I made sure that the doors were locked because I didn't want anybody to actually see me read this book. And then I made sure that my shades were pulled because I didn't want anybody looking through my windows to see me read the Bible. But I started to read the Bible. I like history, so I figured in the, uh, some of the historical books in the Hebrew scriptures, I could read them. So I started reading them, but reading about the God of Israel, the God of Israel, all that type of stuff. After doing that for about four weeks, everything that I valued in life was taken away. For example, I was invested in a business. The business went bankrupt, and I lost about $70,000 like that, gone. Second... I'm on a submarine in the Navy. And on a submarine in the Navy, in those days, it wasn't a good place to find a wife. All my friends were getting married and stuff like that. So what did I do? I joined a dating service. I quit the dating service because I could not get a date. And you might be saying, loser, okay? <laughs> I am married now and there's my wife. Praise God. And then the third thing was, I was going through a nuclear-powered inspection on board my submarine, and I failed it. And when I failed this inspection, I knew that my career in the Navy was over. And I valued my life by who I was, not just in life, but who I was in the Navy. So at that point in time, I made a list. And on the bottom of the list, it said, end your life. And I said, you know what? I could do this. I had no future. I had no hope. At that point in time, I took out my a weapon, and I was about to end my life. With this gun pointed at my head, I said, God, because now I've been reading the Bible for six weeks. I said, God, if you're there, you have to do something, and you have to do it right now. And he did. He changed my mind. I put this weapon down. I went to work the next day. I found out that this guy that I was watching for nine months, he was leading a Christian prayer breakfast. When I shared with him what was going on in my life, he didn't kick me off the submarine. He did not kick me out of the Navy. What did he do? He shared the gospel of Jesus with me. And essentially this is what he said. He said, Larry, he said, I am a Gentile and I am following your God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, you he said, you are a Jew. He said, you should be following him. I was so jealous. I inquired, what must I do? He shared the plan of salvation with me. I came to the faith at that point in time. I left the Navy after 14 years of military service. I went to seminary. When I graduated, I started to go work with a group called Jews for Jesus. Did that for 21 years. And uh, now I'm working with another group. And after I came, after I left uh, seminary, I met Deb. And uh, life has been pretty exciting ever since that. So praise God. Amen. Amen. All right. So absolutely.
God is worthy. So uh, I'm, I'm really, really grateful to be here. And I want to talk today about an incredible message that is called Transitions, all right? And I think it's, it's very appropriate for the season in which we are living. Um, but before I do that, I want to share with you the ground rules. Are they up there? Let's see. Uh, uh, no, the ground rules. All the way in the beginning. All right, the ground rules. Here we go. Click. There we go. Now, here's the deal, all right? I'm the guest speaker, so you have to be gracious to me. You have to be kind, all right? Uh, I'm going to say a few things today, and uh, if you're stirred up in them, if you have any easy questions, Debbie and I are available to answer them. We would love to do it. If you have any hard questions, all right, guest speakers don't answer hard questions, all right, I will refer you to Pastor Shane. All right? That's the first rule. Okay. The second one, I want to encourage you to be a Berean. All right? You know, I was talking to uh, Pastor Shane, and, and when I think about this message, I really have about five hours worth of material on this just very topic. And I wanted to share all of it with you today. But uh, Pastor Shane, no, you can't do that. All right? That's too much time. So I need you to be a Berean. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, The Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. What does that mean? Before God does anything within creation, he's going to inform us. He's going to tell us what he is going to do. And then in Acts chapter 17, in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11, the apostle Paul, he was speaking in a place called Thessalonica. And they did not receive him well, so eventually Paul left Thessalonica, and he goes to a place called Berea. Paul was preaching in a, in a synagogue in Berea, and this is what it says about Paul. It says that they heard what Paul said, and instead of just believing it, it says that they searched the scriptures daily to see what Paul said to see if that is what was predicted. All right, so I want to encourage you, all right, I don't care if there's a politician speaking, I don't care if there's a police officer speaking, or I don't care if there is your pastor speaking. I want to encourage you to take notes of wh with what is being said, and then go back and search the scriptures. And if it is God who is talking to you, what you hear will line up with the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, let it go. All right? So be a Berean. Today, from Exodus chapter 14, from Exodus chapter 14, um, depending upon how much time, you can probably find hundreds of observations in Exodus chapter 14. Um, I found 10, all right, for this message but because of time, I'm only going to talk about a few of them, all right? But what I would like you to do, if you want to take a picture of that, you can take a picture of that with your phone, and you can go back and look at it later. But I need you to be a Berean, and when, and when I don't cover all ten, you'll understand why. Now, as I think about the Red Sea, all right, 
When my people left Egypt, they were in a transition from the house of slavery, which Deb talked about that during the, the Passover. They were, they were leaving the house of slavery, and they were moving or transiting up to the promised land, the land of Israel. And it's interesting that that transition led them through the place that we know as the Red Sea. They could not walk around it. They could not walk behind it. They had to go walk right through it. Now, you might say transitions. Why am I talking about transitions? Because all of us are in the midst of a transition. I don't care if you're a young man just starting out life, or I don't care if you're an older guy at the end of your life. All of us are in the midst of a transition. Some people are children. Some people are adults. Some people are parents. Some people are grandparents. Some people are students. Some people are workers. We're all in the midst of a transition. Some people are single. Some people are married. We're all in the midst of a transition. So these thoughts, I think, are important for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for 2020 to come to an end. All right? I, I think I've had enough of this year. And if you just think about the number of transitions in our own society, all right, if you think about the COVID-19, all right, what has that done to our society? In some places, you have to wear a mask, all right? Some places, people don't wear a mask. If you choose to wear a mask, you should wear a mask that has a, an eternal statement on it. And if you want to copy this, you may. My mask says, Jesus made me kosher. All right, so if you have to do, wear a mask, all right, where you know, have that eternal statement. But again, uh, there's that transition. Do we wear masks? Do we not? If we think about the economy, you know, um, if you think about travel, you know, Deb and I live in South Florida. The cruise ships, the cruise lines, are not cruising. Who would ever thought that would be? Uh, Disney World, they have about 25% of, of the capacity at, at Disney World every day. It's empty, all right? So there's been, with our economy, these transitions. What about the social unrest? that we see going on in our society. You know, our, 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 our culture is being ripped apart. What about the political tension? I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm an independent, I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative. I am so tired of it, you know? I don't care what you are, be biblical, all right? So when I think about that transition, what about the, the natural disasters? You know, if you like California, you don't have to raise your hand. You know, or if you think about California, you think about Colorado, you think about these, these fires. Uh, if you think about the hurricanes that have been in the, uh, coming out of the Caribbean, you know, it's been a pretty nasty year, all right? So there's all these transitions going on. How is it going to end? Who knows, all right? Who knows? But this is what I do know. From Exodus chapter 14, my people were in a transition from, the promise, from Egypt into the promised land. And there were some incredible lessons that they needed to learn 
and those same type of lessons you and I need to learn. All right. Observation number one. Check this out. It says this. Realize that God means for you to be where you are. Okay? God means for you to be where you are. And this comes from Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Let me read it. Exodus 14, verses 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses. Tell the Israelites that they must turn and camp before Phiharoth, between Migdal and the sea. You are to camp by the sea before Zephon, opposite it. Now this is what's really interesting, all right? God spoke to Moses, and he told Moses to take the people to this very specific location. On one side, that sounds really, really exciting, but... I'm just starting to think about God's military strategic understanding. God told Moses to take the people to this place where there is water in front of them. Where there are mountains behind them. And a place where the army of Egypt eventually would be able to come and what? And block them in. So it's like, God, why would you tell Moses to take the people to this horrible spot where they're going to be trapped. It doesn't make sense. But God in his sovereignty, he led the people to that very spot. All right? So when you think about it, realize that wherever you are in life, God has you there for a purpose. And there is a transition going on. He's taking you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Look at observation number two. Observation number two. Oh, there it is. I love the way that works. All right. It says, be more concerned for God's glory than your relief. Be more concerned for God's glory than your relief. Look at Exodus chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. Let me read this. Pharaoh will think regarding the Israelites. They are wandering around, confused in the land. The desert has closed in on them. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. I will gain honor because of Pharaoh and because of all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So this is what they did. Did you notice? It says, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So in Israel's great uh, difficult position, trapped at the Red Sea, all right, God was going to bring glory to himself. All right, what was God going to do? He was going to help the Egyptians to understand who he is. Who were the Egyptians? Those weren't the Jewish people. Those were the Gentiles. Guess what? God wants everybody. He wants the Jews and he wants the Gentiles to know him. So what we need to do, we need to be more concerned about God's glory than our personal comfort. All right? Um, For example, you know, I I see some families here and I see some, some families have more than one kid. What does that mean? The first time that... A woman gives birth to a child, she has no idea what she's doing, right? 
But then she has a second child. She's more concerned about bringing God glory by having a third or a fourth child than her own comfort. All right? So let's be concerned more about God's glory than our own personal comfort. Uh, look at observation number three. It says this. Acknowledge your enemy. Stay focused on Jesus. Acknowledge your enemy, but stay focused on Jesus. And that comes from Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 to 9. Let me read. Exodus 14, verses 5 to 9. But when it was reported to the king of Egypt that the people had fled, the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people. And the king and his servants said, What in the world have we done? For we have released the people of Israel from serving us. Then he prepared his chariots and took his army with him. He took 600 select chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt and officers on all of them. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the Israelites. Now the Israelites were going out defiantly. The Egyptians chased after them. And all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army overtook them by the camping of the sea beside Philharoth before Baal-Zephon. So what is the observation? Acknowledge your enemy. Know that your enemy is real. But keep your eyes, keep your heart focused on Yeshua. On Jesus, all right? So as you're in the midst of that transition, as you're going from point A to point B, wherever God has taken you, sometimes it looks really, really scary. You can see that, that army behind you. You can see the enemy in front of you. But know that he's there. <clears throat> Excuse me. But keep your eyes and your heart focused on Jesus. Uh, I think the writer of Hebrews, he says that the the that the Lord, in Hebrews chapter 6, is what? Is an anchor for our soul. Um, if you were in the Navy and your ship was anchored, this is what happens. Imagine this is the anchor, all right? You have the anchor, which is tied to a chain. The chain is tied to the ship. And the ship could go around and around the anchor, and it keeps moving, but guess what? That ship will never leave that spot because the anchor is holding it in place. Well, Yeshua, Jesus, he is holding us in place, even though uh, it might look scary, even though the enemy is doing his thing. Let's look at observation number four. Can you read that? Observation number four is to pray. And that comes from Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. And this is what it says. When Pharaoh got closer, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified. The Israelites cried out to the Lord. So you can just imagine, you can see them. You can see Israel being stuck. 
you can see Egypt uh, approaching. And what did the people do in their fear? In the midst of that transition, they cried out to God. All right? So no matter where you are in life, Paul says, pray every now and then. Pray without ceasing. All right? In in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we should always be willing to pray. Just like we see in Exodus chapter 14. There's a problem. Pray. All right? Your heavenly Father, he's there. He's with you. Never to leave you, forsake you, or abandon. Observation number five. Stay calm and confident and give God time to work. You know, the Lord is not like a a microwave oven where he does things instantly. He could. Sometimes in the midst of that transition, he works slowly so that we might learn a lesson or two. Exodus, uh, this one comes from Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord that he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians will see you today and will never, ever see again. The Lord will fight for you and you can be still. Did Moses tell the people panic? Did he tell the people to be anxious? No. He said, stand by and wait. Stand by and watch. Stand by and observe. Moses wanted the people to just to be quiet and to allow God to do his thing. I like the way Moses said that. He said that God would fight for you. In the New Testament, in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says, If God is for you, finish it. Okay, so you see, Old Testament, New Testament, the Word of God, it lines up as one story. Let's jump to observation number eight. Observation number eight. And it says, Trust and allow God to deliver in his unique manner. Trust and allow God to deliver in his unique manner manner. This comes from Exodus chapter 14 verses 21 and 22 and this is what it says. Moses stretched out his hand towards the sea and the Lord drove the sea apart by a strong east wind all that night and he made the sea into dry land and the water was divided. So the Israelites went through the middle of the sea on dry ground the water forming a wall for them on the right and on the left. Can you imagine? Who would have ever thought as Israel was stuck with water in front of them, with mountains on the side of them, and Israel be, uh, Egypt behind them, excuse me, who would ever thought that God was going to split the Red Sea? I mean, Crazy. Never happened before. It hasn't happened since. But God 
delivered the, the Jewish people. How? Through a miracle. He split the Red Sea. He allowed Israel to walk on dry ground. And then the Egyptians, when they entered in, guess what? They soon realized that the God of Israel was fighting against them. They knew who God was at that point in time. Observation number nine says this. Consider your current crisis as a builder of your faith. This comes from Exodus chapter 14, verses 30 and 31. So the Lord saved Israel on that day from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the shore of the sea. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord had exercised over the Egyptians, they feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. What's really crazy about that, through that exercise, through the way God delivered them, the Egyptians, they knew who God was. And, and now at the end of Exodus chapter 14, we see that the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they knew who God was. All right? So as, as they knew God, they were able to step out into the future trusting him. How'd they do? Did they do well? Okay, they didn't do so well. All right? As you read through the prophets, you see the people and, their, and the sinful activities that they were a part of. But for you and I, we know the Lord. We know he, he redeemed uh, Israel back then. He has redeemed us. So no matter what we're facing in this world today, as we look at COVID, the economy, social unrest, political unrest, natural disasters, guess what? We can take what God has already done as a way to build our faith for the, for the future. If God is for us, okay. Observation number 10. Remember to rejoice and to praise the, the Lord of Israel. And this comes from Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Let me read it. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. So what do we see? We see Israel as they have come through the Red Sea, as they see their enemy gone. What do they do? They praise the Lord. They rejoice. Do you remember uh, one of Paul's admonitions in the book of Philippians? The Apostle Paul, he is incarcerated in a Roman prison. Probably not a very comfortable place to be. Probably did not have a, a soft bed to rest. Probably did not have a nice feather pillow. Probably did not have running water to wash his hands before he ate a meal. And on and on and on. All right. But what did Paul say as he wrote to the Philippians? He said, rejoice when things are nice. He said, rejoice when things are comfortable. 
He said, rejoice whenever you want to. No. Paul said, rejoice when? Always. Why did Paul say rejoice always? Because it wasn't, you don't rejoice because of your circumstances. You rejoice because God is. You rejoice because your sins have been atoned for. You rejoice because Yeshua died, was buried, and rose from the grave. All right? He gave you his innocence. That's why you rejoice. Not because of your situation. So, as we think about transitions, everybody has to face a transition in life. They never stop. We go from one transition to the other. And sometimes these transitions can be very, very scary. But if you know Yeshua, if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, we can face these transitions. How? With hope, with peace and confidence. Not because of who we are, but because of who the God of Israel is. And we see in the book of Exodus, we see in Exodus 14, in Israel's transition from, the, from Egypt to the promised land, we see how God provided for them. If God provided for them, guess what? Our God will provide for us because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So we don't have nothing to be worried about. Deb and I are currently serving with a group called the Christian Jew Foundation. And the Christian Jew Foundation uh, is uh, headquartered in San Antonio, Texas. The Christian Jew Foundation, uh, we have a few purposes, all right? The first purpose is we want to share the, the biblical story with everybody. Why? Because not only do Jewish people need to hear the gospel, guess who else needs to hear the gospel? The Gentiles, all right? So if you're Jewish or if you're Gentile, I guess that means all human beings, everybody needs to hear the gospel. So one thing we do at the foundation is we want to talk to everybody about Jesus and what he did for us. The second thing we want to do at the foundation is we want to help uh, Gentile Christians to witness to their Jewish friends. Why do I say that? Well, remember my story. As a young kid, all right, as a young kid, um, we, there goes my alarm. Let's stop it. Okay. As a young kid, as a young Jewish kid, you know, I was taught, hey, you don't read the New Testament, you don't believe in Jesus. Why? Because the New Testament is the Gentile book, and Jesus is the Gentile God. What I've come to realize is that's not exclusive. Jesus is not only for Gentiles, he's for Jewish people. The New Testament is not only for Gentiles, it's for Jewish people. The entire Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, it's for all of us. We all need it. So we want to teach people how to witness to Jewish people. And if you can witness to a Jewish person, you can witness to anybody. Why? Because 
You know why. All right. And then the third thing we want to do, I want people to realize that the Word of God is not split. You know, we have the Old Testament for the Jewish people, and we have the New Testament for the Gentiles. The Word of God, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is one continuous story of what God is doing in creation. All right? And as Deb was talking about Passover uh, a couple years ago, we see Passover starting in the, in the Torah, in the, in, the, in the first five books, right? And we see Jesus celebrating Passover. So it's one continuous story. So here's the deal. We have this incredible newsletter. It is called Messianic Perspectives. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to sign up for it, all right? You can sign up for it here. You can sign up for it online. It's a, it's a great letter. It will give you some information about the Bible. It's, it's really good stuff. Uh, Deb and I, we have a, a prayer letter that we send out once a month. I hope that you will sign up for that. Why? Because we need people to be praying for us. So in our letter, we'll give you an update as to what's going on, and you could pray accordingly. If you would like to uh, receive our newsletter, all you got to do is fill out that form, put your name and address on it, or your email address, give it to us, and we'll make sure that you receive our newsletter. Um, in the foyer, we have a table. We have some postcards. Uh, you, on these postcards, there's a picture of Deb and me with our email address on it as well. And this will give you a reminder that you need to pray for us. All right? So you can put it on your Bible, put it, where, or put it in your Bible or on the refrigerator, whatever you wish. Let me pray with you real quick. Father, we just uh, come before you in the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus. We are eternally grateful that uh, Yeshua came into our world so that we might be, be able to come into your world. Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ today. I pray that you would fill them afresh with your spirit. I pray that you will encourage them in the word. That as they go about life, as they go about the transitions in their lives, in our society, and in this world, that they might be encouraged, that they might have hope and peace. Lord, I pray that you will use each one to build your kingdom, whether at school, at work, or at play. Use each one to build your kingdom. May they go, may they plant seeds, and may they water them. And we just trust you, Lord, to bring the increase. Thank you, Lord, for my family in Messiah. Bless them as only you can. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen.